Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And thankfully, your co-host, Marcus D. Thankfully? Yes, thankfully. Most of you guys do not know that this Saturday, the today that we're actually recording this, was the day that I agreed to let Vic take me on an adventure and I was just in a vulnerable place. I was mentally <laughs> exhausted and I just, I let my guard down and I, and Vic's like, I'll, I'll take you on an adventure. I won't tell you where we're going. And I, and I said, yes, not realizing that for the past 10 years, Vic has been trying to trick me into going way deep into the <laughs> woods to study the missing four one phenomenon. And like, he almost got me. Thankfully he was sick. So, oh my god. Thankfully he was sick, so we couldn't do this. And I'm oh I'm here. God. Thank you. I appreciate that. You, you know, you know just, we're just I'm taking grateful. a rain track uh, rain check on that trip, right? We're well, still now, doing it. Well, that's fine, but now I'm just I'm more prepared. I couldn't even believe that that whole situation at the same time happened right when we're about to start October and talking about missing 411. Like the coincidence of that is just Wait, just be, cannot be I want to go back. I want to go back. Sure. Beyond this, this adventure we were playing, originally you had told me to plan for a whole weekend. So I planned this whole awesome out-of-town trip, and yeah. then like the week before, you're like, actually, I think it needs to be a one-night thing. And I'm like, oh, oh, good, yeah. good, good. I, I want to yes. redo the whole plan. Yes, because I finally started dawning on me. I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh crap! We're about to start talking about missing four one, and he might take me out literally until the middle of the woods. Of course, I would. Yes, exactly, you would. And I am not what you would say, um, a wilderness expert. You, you need I, more wilderness. Time, I can't. Man. If you I really do, if I don't have Wi-Fi, I literally will just start losing my like. Sh- I'll okay. just start wait, losing wait, my wait, shit. Wait. It's just gonna happen. Okay, Laughing Fox, Laughing Fox. I know you're out there somewhere. Tell him he needs to spend more time in the woods because I know Laughing Fox is also a woodsy kid like me. Do you realize what we're going to be talking about this? Everything this month is literally the reason not to go into the woods. Oh, no, there's some urban stuff we can talk about. Yeah, but the missing 411 phenomenon as a whole is just one. It's going to be one month long reason of just why you stay there out of the be, woods. There will be some scary things and, happening in the woods and, this month. And why it's dangerous and things might get you. Yeah. 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 Be safe. Stay in the city. No. No, this is not even safe. <laughs> no, that's probably true. Like, we've looked at the statistics. Okay, I, let, let's open this wine. I, I agree. So today, Vic, what are we drinking? French Lick Pretty and Pink. Oh, I've seen you buy that before. I think I've tasted this yeah, before. Yeah, we've had this it's, on the channel good. before. It's just I did not have enough of the beer left to really first drink beer. So when I looked around, we had this wine and another wine that Ellie specifically bought. So that one was off limits. Uh, you also still have those patriotic pawpaws that are in there. That uh, yeah, but there's not, only like what two, three left, and you're not ju- you're just not sharing. That's the I mean that's I've, the reality. I've already that. started that's... uncorking this, so this is what we're drinking. <laughs> you're like come to Beyond the, the the patriotic pawpaws were really for me and Ellie yes. to share though. Uh-huh. So I I, di- I didn't want to get into that. I've just come to yet. terms that this is happening. That's fine. We can drink this printing pink. I think we've drank we've drank this before. Um, 
I won't even pour it for him. I got to pour my own alcohol like a wild animal. You always get on me for pouring things over like the equipment, so sure. I didn't want to do that. Oh, that, okay, that's a good point. That's fine. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Here you go. Take the take this wine back. There you go. Mm. And drinking it right from the bottle. You know what they say? Never let your wine breathe. You have to suffocate that stuff. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think they're the, they're the same people that say uh, cheese and fish go together. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, if you guys ever get a chance, get some wine from the French Lake Winery. It's all really good, I, and I like it all. Pretty and right. Pink's good. Winter Fruit's good. I can't think of anything they've done that's bad. No, French Lake is like is like Brown County wine. Like they're just too good brands from Indiana to to drink. I mean, it's, you're just you're not going to go wrong just getting anything from either of those. I'm trying not, to not sponsored, just true. One of the local county wines I just really do not like, and I can't remember if it's Brown County or not. You don't like Brown County. There's one of them I don't like, but I can't remember if it's Brown County or if it's something else. They make a delicious, like, apple pie wine, and they make a really good blackberry wine. Both of them are really good. The apple pie wine I got you, was that from Brown County? I'm pretty sure that was from Brown County. Never mind. I'm thinking of someplace else. I'm thinking of someplace else. Someplace else. I I, I could be wrong, but I doubt it. But we'll see. All right, guys. So uh, we're going to go over some comments for the last episode. Uh, if you didn't check out our last episode, that was where we wrapped up our whole month-long talk about talk about hairy humanoids in our episode, Hairy Humanoid Roundup, which we highly check you, uh, recommend that you guys go check out. Dan Ward said, I'm still waiting for you guys to get some Dreadnought Cider or some other Jolly Rouge Rogue beer. Is this something that's already been a recommendation we forgot to do? No, this has just been out from the last episode. No, I think both of those sound really good. Okay. You're going to have to help me remember this because I will forget, but let's get some of that. Sure. Kyle says, I feel like this is a good episode to post my story on that I had a Sasquatch encounter when I was around nine. While me and my friend were playing in the woods, we had found a salamander and were crouched down looking at it when we heard something come out of the bushes. That's a cool find. I love finding salamanders. For the beginning of this, I thought this was something you had posted, by the way, Vic. (laughs) Um, um, We were crouched down looking at it when we heard something come out of the bushes in front of us. When I look up, I saw a roughly six-foot, kind of skinny, hairy, dark brown Sasquatch that only almost immediately lifted its arms above its head and had a roar. We ran faster than we could. Uh, the roar let out, the roar scared it, and nothing that is that uh, the roar it let out scared me in a way nothing else has ever has. It's almost like it was purposely putting off a bad energy, completely changed the whole atmosphere of the woods. Around seven years later, I was out rabbit hunting alone in the same woods as the other experience. When maybe five minutes into the hunt, I got that feeling again. Uh, all I had was a bolt action 17 HMR, which isn't a very big gun, so I immediately turned around and got on my four wheeler and left. So for this being a long, but sorry for this being long, but I felt like posting it somewhere. No, thank you for posting it. Did you say what state it was? Mm, no, I don't think you said. Uh, Kyle, if you're listening to this, tell us what state that you were listening in. Okay, first, I, and I have to ask the question that everyone has to be thinking. There's the obvious question here. What? What happened to the salamander? I thought you were going to say, like, why didn't you just try to shoot it again? But then again, he, Kyle did say no, it's no, no, a very no, big that, That's an important question, too. <laughs> but the important question is what happened to the salamander. Did the salamander make that's it That's a okay? real question. Yeah, I want to know what end did you take him with? Did yeah. you leave him behind? The Sasquatch prejudice, prejudice against salamanders. He's just going to squish it. I, he might have been after the salamander. <laughs> But no, that's a really cool encounter, and thank you so, yeah. so, 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 so much for sharing it. If you guys have any stories, feel free yeah. to share it here. I, I like the interesting, like, little tidbit that it was a scrawny one. You don't usually hear that. They usually are more mm-hmm. described as robust. Mm-hmm. All right. Bear ass, which is a bear, um, with or without the ass, 
says, it's <laughs> great show. I would love, love to hear more about the Shrine Towns. This topic blew my mind. Oh, I wouldn't mind revisiting mm-hmm. that at some point. Yeah. Maybe me and you should go visit more... Haunted Towns. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys haven't checked out our episode on Shrine Towns, it was really cool. It was kind of a name that's kind of given to these weird back roads, haunted towns, or some town with some sort of like dark paranormal secret. And we, we talked a lot about that in that episode. It was a lot of fun to talk about. Jay the Phoenix said, uh, you know, sorry if I brought this up with the pillow talk, but I had a thought. People are frankly terrible. I agree with you there, Jay the Phoenix. Uh, at least enough to cause a ruckus about something small. Case in point, I do lawn work for folks with a delayed development and other conditions that require assisted living. One house I service has the most bitter neighbor that basically said they didn't want those people living next door. Those are human beings that just operate a little differently. Could you imagine the opinions of that same set of mind people if we had another living member of a homogeneous uh, or just some great ape that had enough features to be visibly similar to humans? People have had conflict over skin color, religion, even the playgrounds kids pick on others with a weird face or a funny voice. It's deeply ingrained where it exists. In a rare moment's possible, hiding Bigfoot would be a benevolent act by the government. People still want to hunt them even if they're a myth. If they were confirmed, whoa. The U.S. government at least is largely viewed as bumbling, but they have hidden things in the past like stealth aircraft, who's to say the incompetence isn't misdirection. Sorry for the long comment. No, that that's a really good point. I, a, I didn't really think about it from that angle. Also, I want to throw on, you have a cool job and you have a great attitude. Yeah, I think you have a great attitude too, and I think that... I think that you are right. I think that that is a, I think that's a hard thing for people to, to, for, it would be really hard for people to come to terms with if there was this other sort of species out there that had that, you know, that had comparable things to, to, to humanity, like what that would do to our society. I don't know if racist would be the right word, but maybe species. Speciest, yeah. But like technically race fits better for this because there's, us and other people that we call different races aren't really different races. We're really just variants of the same race. Yeah. This would actually be a different race. And, yes, yeah. people would flip out. Yeah, I think people should um, look at our video that we did on the Amos, which is a very yeah. similar story, which is something that, where you know, where people allegedly caught this sort of Bigfoot. But, you know, we generally believe that was probably a person that they just put in a cage. Yeah, that, that might have been our most frustrating yeah. one that we've done because we both got kind of worked up about this one. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, Gray9438 said, there was recently a story about a mountain goat killing a grizzly bear with its horns, so maybe anyone who saw a goat using its horns wouldn't survive the encounter. Wait, what? A mountain- <laughs> okay, first, I gotta see this. Yeah, what, a mountain goat killing a grizzly bear? Yeah, I, I am very I curious. I I, first, it. I would believe that it's possible, but I, I do want to see this. That sounds awesome. Mountain goat killing grizzly bear. Let's take a search. Search. Yep. This was back in September 22nd of 2021. Um, park officials in Canada have confirmed that a female grizzly bear was found dead as it was killed in self-defense by a mountain mountain goat. That's a badass mountain goat. Yep. Yeah, that, that goat took my <laughs> Sorry, what, what was day. the original statement? Because I kind of got lost on mountain goat killed grizzly Oh, no. Bear. He said that, uh, there was a story about a mountain goat killing grizzly bear with its horns, so maybe people saw a goat man using its horns didn't try the encounter. That's I think a, that was, That's a good yeah, point. That was my point in the... In, Stories involving Goatman that you never hear one story about the Goatman using its horns for anything. So that was kind of my one of the weird thoughts that I had. Maybe people don't survive. Maybe that's what happens. I mean, getting gored by something like that, yeah, I could definitely see that being yeah. like fatal. Uh, let's see. 
I am Spielset. Sheep Squatch versus Octa Squatch. Battle of the Century. <laughs> Paper Octa Squatch. Yes. Octa Squatch all the way. Oh, no, man. I'm putting my money on Sheep Squatch, man. Octa Squatch too weird. Going to win off weirdness. No, man. I think the Sheep Squatch could just rip it in half. Nah, too weird. I've been pitching us doing a whole video series where we t- where we take two cryptids and see who we think would win the fight. <laughs> so personally, if you guys want to see something like that, like on on the on like as bonus content or something, put it below. Because I've been trying to get I'm trying to get Vic to do it for a while. I want to say someone's already done this sort of thing. Oh, we could do it better. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thera Falcon says the Green Man is. A, is linked to a Surinos, who is a who is the Celtic god of the forest, often associated with fertility in the underworld as well. He's a man with deer horns and sometimes deer legs. He's more of a fae-like god. His depictions can be found all over Europe, and he is one of the oldest gods in history. Oh, yeah. It's a really interesting character. If I remember right, you usually find bronze statues out there, and mm-hmm. it's believed that it was a god worshipped by the Celts, but is also believed to have pre-existed the Celts. That This is from a... Um, proto-religion that existed before most of the standard religions that we know of. Then there's also like a, a white woman from some of the stories of the wild hunt also associated with that proto-religion. But mm-hmm. I think that's about all we know about it. And we only really know that because from what little we know, it kind of looks like these cultures borrowed it from a different one. Mm-hmm. All right. That is the uh, comments from that. So if you guys ever want, uh, if you guys always leave a comment below anytime we're talking throughout this, we'd love to have comments. Good, bad, ugly. We'll we'll talk about them uh, during the episode. So, all right, it's time for us to dive into to missing four one one. You so almost I, forgot the topic. No, I did not almost <laughs> forget the topic. I almost said mysterious universe. That was what I actually was about to say. So I was I was catching myself right before I said it. Okay, but before we get into the topic, I do want to throw out a big shout out to uh, two people, mm-hmm. um, Deanna and John from back where I grew up. I recently got them to listen to an episode. They really enjoyed it. They told me what a pawpaw was. Yeah. Apparently, they grow around Hayden, but I didn't know them by that name. Oh. And I just wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, actually, Deanna was one of my teachers growing up, and uh, John was my middle school principal. I told you what a pawpaw was during the episode. Yeah, but I didn't know like they had grown around like. Where oh, I grew okay. Up. Just you just, just know them by a different name. Uh, I yeah. told you during the episode. I was telling during the episode what they were because I already. <laughs> Remember, because I already knew what they, they were. They did it better. I, I know they, they did, did it. Better. I know they did it. I was reading it from the bottle. That was the reason why. But, you know, thank you guys so much for checking out the uh, checking out the podcast. Thank you, everybody, by the way. I don't think that we said this yet, but last month, actually, we broke our record uh, for the most views that we've had in an entire month for this podcast. So I want to give a big shout-out to everybody who's been listening to this podcast. Thank you guys so much. So, I mean, without you guys, it's just me and Vic sitting in here talking about our day. <laughs> <laughs> just... So we appreciate this so much, all the support that you guys always give us. Okay, Missing 411. David Politis' work on trying to understand mysterious disappearances that have been going on not only in the U.S. and around the world, mainly centralized in the park system, but as his study has gone on, he's found that it's spread to other areas. Yeah. You know, we we had been talking about Missing 411 probably throughout the entire time that we've been doing work in the paranormal, like like for the channel. Oh, yeah. As soon as David Politis hit the scene, I started checking out his stuff, and yeah. I've absolutely loved his work. I want to say it was 2012 was when his first book comes out, when he pushed, when he, when he when he initially puts out his first book and his first work on Missing 4-on-1. So it actually, like, predates our podcast for a little bit, and it's, it was really cool to see, like, how, like, as his work just continued, how much we would end up referencing oh, yeah. 
back to this strange phenomenon of just people just dis- disappearing for under mysterious circumstances in the woods. You know, it's still it's still so strange to me how people don't realize that that's a phenomenon. Yeah, it's okay. Sometimes when I mention missing four one one, people are like, "Oh yeah, da 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 da." But a lot of times, even when I'm talking to people within the field, they're wholly unaware of it. Yeah. You know, and I and I've seen other things where people where people are not aware of the missing four one one phenomenon, but they're typically aware of people disappearing um, with near their local parks, mm-hmm. like within the national park system, but not realizing that it's a larger phenomenon as a whole. And I think that's something that David Pilatus has definitely brought to the community, which is something that we've talked about a lot in the paranormal. Which is something that's interesting is because. There's a lot of similarities in the paranormal across the board. And that's what David Politis did for the missing woman phenomenon. Yeah, a big focus of his work is to take all these stories floating around out there in different cases, see if they meet his criteria, and then start mapping it out. After he maps it out, if it makes a cluster, that makes him feel there's something there, and then he can start looking into it. Yeah. And he's mapped out several clusters across the United yeah, States. Yeah, I think when, uh, uh, you know, leading up to this, because this episode's coming out actually like a couple days late, and we know that, but a big part of it is we wanted to make sure that we did this right. Because we knew pretty much whenever we put this whenever we put this up, the people were going to vote for it, because <laughs> we have the best fans ever. So we wanted to make sure that we did the first one right, and so that's why we want to make sure people were aware of what the phenomenon is before we go forward from here trying to break it down as much as much as we can um and what's really cool is you can actually watch like two of his doc the, the david Pilatus has put out 10 books so far about missing 411 since 2012 and like two full-length documentaries both of which you can check out on youtube and i highly recommend it by 2019 i think and he had said that by that point he had evaluated over 1200 missing person cases across the north american national park system and it's so crazy to notice that there's all these like strange disappearances that have a lot of similar particular um, uh, connections to them. Well, at that, Marcus, why don't you throw us out an example? Yes. All right. So um, he breaks down, and over time, and I'm gonna just just to be fair, David Politis, since the beginning of this, has had put some criteria for what he considers a mysterious circumstance for why they disappear. And over time, things have been added to the list. Things have been taken off the list. I'm just for the record, but anyway, but um, as far as I'm aware of, of what his criteria is now for all of these case points, he calls them like profile points. One of them being in the particular case, there is a point in separation in which the person disappears from the site over the rest of the group. Um, generally, this is a person that's going out hunting and they disappear and they're off by themselves. Other cases are they usually seem to be disappearing mid to late afternoon. Uh, near rock or granite boulder fields, often near water. A bizarre phenomenon, a weather phenomenon, like tends to happen shortly before or after the event involving the disappearance. There's usually a disability or illness that seems to be associated with most of the cases that go missing for people missing 411. And most of the times when people go missing, the canines cannot track the person that went missing in almost 95% of the cases that he has the, like whenever dog trackers come out, they can't track the body. Yeah. One of the things he seems to put a lot of weight on is <clears throat> if the tracking dogs will refuse to track and eventually just lay down and whimper, mm-hmm. he seems to feel like that has a strong connection with it. 
And another thing, I don't think this is actually on his bullet point, but I know it's one of the things that he waits is um, berry patches in the area. Yep. People going missing in berry patches. That's another one. Uh, missing clothes, often shoes. Unknown mysterious causes of death whenever the body is found. Uh, or in, and that there's geographical clusters. There mm-hmm. tends to be clusters on a lot of the and a lot of the and all of the points that were before this. Now, well, at times I will admit there are times in which he has other really weird, fun, like weird ones, but that disappear over time. Like I think early in his work, he used to say that uh, uh, most of the people that were missing had German surnames, or that they often wore the color red. I haven't seen any of that in like, his later work, but that's but that is stuff he used to say back in the day. But I could actually kind of buy some of that because think about the um, the color red. A lot of a lot of myths talk about spirits stealing you away based on the color you're wearing. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, in China, it's like yellow that attracts them. But I've heard this story told slightly differently from different cultures, though. Oh yeah, I you know I and I find it's 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 these particular these particular cases that he has tend to be, I, I think some of the ones that I said before that tend to be some of the most like core examples of people going missing under mysterious circumstances. And he just details like almost like twelve hundred, like twelve hundred accounts of various people going missing over the course of like uh, over over just decades. I mean, dude's pretty cool. Yeah, debatable. <laughs> and we're, we're probably going to get into I'm just, that a little maybe. a little later. Okay, should I, that be the patron segment? Maybe, yeah. to, I, uh, today, I will admit I like the phenomenon of missing four and one. I dislike David Polite. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you watch it, I'm just saying. If you. Just, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a whole discussion yeah, on that one. Yeah, it's nothing against him personally. Like, like, it's just, I don't, it's, it's. I, I love the phenomenon. I think the phenomenon is something strange. I think there's something definitely real to it. But I think that it's that it's something that, uh, it's just it's just him. And I personally think that he's a cool and awesome guy. But we'll get into that argument here. I, I don't think he's a bad guy. It's just, anyway. But, you know, so one of the things that I that I think that most people don't know about David Politis in the beginning of, of Missing 401 is that it was birthed out of, the Bigfoot research field. Oh yeah, he was a big Bigfoot researcher yeah. before he ever touched the subject of missing four one one. Yeah, for and all, before that he was a detective. Yeah, for a long time, for almost twenty, he had like about twenty years of uh, police work. I want to say it was with the San Jose Police Department um, before he eventually uh, leaves and he starts like his own Bigfoot research company. He's super into Bigfoot. It's called the North American Bigfoot Search, um, and they still do research to this day. You know, and they have a ton, like, and I will say this, of all of the Bigfoot research groups that I've ever actually looked at, if you looked at his, he has some interesting stuff on his website. Oh, yeah. Where they break down stuff like Bigfoot DNA, they've collected tracks, and even where they break down his language. And so, like, he puts out two books investigating Bigfoot before he gets into Missing 401. But it was during that, that's whenever he first had his first encounter with somebody from the Park Service that started talking to him about all these strange disappearances and how there seems to be something bigger to it. And that's what sort of like launched him on his journey for that. And I thought that was so interesting because you've seen that, right? Like once oh, yeah. you once you start looking at one thing in the paranormal. It opens up a whole yeah, floodgate of other know, things. It did. I saw this with, um, you know, whenever we've looked at skinwalkers before, like I was reading a book, um, Gary and Wendy Swanson, who are two uh, big Bigfoot researchers out there in the Pacific Northwest, they were collecting Bigfoot stories and because of that, they encountered a lot of skinwalker stories at the same time just because they were just because they were really into investigating Bigfoot. And that kind of ties in with my theory on missing 411, but I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. Sure, sure. What's 
one of your most interesting missing 411 cases you've came across. It doesn't even have to be from David Politis. It's just the mysterious disappearances. Oh, of the man. Place. Probably the one that I, that I thought that was most interesting was the one was the encounter with the kid that was discovered. She went missing on one side of the Appalachian Mountains and a couple days later was discovered on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, so many of these involve people traveling a distance that yeah. just does not make sense over incredibly difficult terrain. It's probably one of my, one of my, you know, because this was a kid that was like, I want to say it was under the age of six, and the child goes missing. And like two days later, like a couple days later, he's discovered on the other side of the mountains. There's no way that a kid that that that, that, that young could by themselves make it over the mountain range by themselves and survive. There's just no way. Okay, I'll give you one of my favorites. In this one, it was an old man that goes missing. The family's with him. They start searching the area, trying to figure out what happened to him. The only thing that is ever found is his cane. Mm -hmm. And it was up in the top branches of a tree. And this is a guy, because one of the things that they were saying is he couldn't have gone far. He had almost no mobility. He could kind of get around a little bit with his cane, but definitely he he wasn't strong enough to even wander off. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was interesting that the only thing they find is the cane, and the cane is way up in a tree. Well, that was one of the things that I thought that was really interesting is there always was these this element of where people had some sort of physical or or mental disability that often or some sort of mental impairment that mm -hmm. ended up making them unable to that that often was the one the one of the things that, that caused them to go missing. And often, truthfully, I would say it usually would, it tended to be somebody with a physical disability, especially if they were a hunter. I don't know a lot of Aspergers in high function autism. Sorry, that's why I limited to hunters. I'm sorry. Oh, whenever okay. he, whenever he investigates the phenomena as a hunter, they tended to they tended to usually have like some sort of like a physical impairment. Usually, I think the connection with autism and high or high functioning autism and Aspergers is very interesting. I know Aspergers isn't the word for it anymore, but I just don't really know how to talk about since they changed the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to use the word I know. So I would also like to point out that so your plan was for us to go into the woods. With you having autism, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was like, you, you were guys, gonna be the, you were gonna be the one that disappears. If you guys aren't already aware of it, I do have Asperger's syndrome. Yeah, and yes, my plan was for us to go in the woods yeah. and take some serious precautions. Yeah, too. I would like to point out that you know between the two of us, you know, you are the far more avid hunter, far more avid woodsman, far more you know. I also have a German surname. You know, yeah, and so it was gonna be you're gonna be the one that disappears, and then I just died just because I was left out there in the woods by myself. <laughs> So it's going to be a two for even though yeah, they don't have I know, to take you. I know. I'm not a missing forward one case. I'm just a, tra I'm just a, a victim of my own ineptitudes. Ellie is actually fairly scared of me investigating the missing four one one because she's like, you're you're definitely the person who's going to get taken. So well, a fun fact for that: whenever it was me, uh, Vic, and Ricardo Brockman going to investigate the Mammoth Caves um, down there, whenever we went in the forest for that. Uh, we were pretty sure we made sure that Vic were like a bell. Oh my no, that is not what happened. <laughs> yeah, that is, is not what happened. We were very we were making sure that he had a bell or some sort of whistle or something to make oh sure my. he did no, not. No, that go is missing. not how that happened. You just you just kept getting mad, just kept refusing to win. <laughs> okay, here's what happened. Ellie was worried about me going out in the woods, so she decided to cook me up a little a little charm, a little keepsake thing. And one of the things on it was a bell because a lot of folklore <laughs> says that a lot of things that will steal you can be warded off by having a bell. So the whole time when we were out in the field, I carried this like little bell on me, which is on a little charm or something. 
the two of them went nuts <laughs> saying that I had to have it so they could find me if I wandered off. Like we got to, I'm like, ring your bell, Vic, ring your bell. The whole, the whole weekend, they carried this on, and I was so pissed the uh, whole time. Rightfully so. You were wearing a bell. It was a <laughs> little bell. It was fest. a tiny little bell on a charm, and yes, I was in like a park, so I. it, it made sense to take some precautions. Yeah. But did I get taken? No, you did not. See, it worked. But more, yeah. But you know, more of the story that this is a, this is a real thing that happens. And, I, and you know what? To be fair, though, because I know we're we're about twenty seven minutes into this, so you know what you will see from people that critique the missing four one one phenomenon is a bunch of people that are skeptics that will say that oh no, these are not mysterious circumstances that for people to go missing that you know they'll they'll give a bunch of rational explanations. You know what I've always found out about, I've, I've always disliked about that response? What? It's always people from outside of a community telling people in the community what's normal for their community. <laughs> Seriously. Think about that. Like every single, if you've ever heard anybody critiquing the missing 401 phenomenon, it's a bunch of people either from the city or from somewhere else trying to tell people from rural communities it's what the like real dangers of the woods are. Yeah, like around like the country in Point Pleasant. Oh no, no, you guys didn't see the Mothman. You just couldn't tell it was an owl. Yeah, have you ever like? I'm swear there. Like, have you ever noticed that that some of these people have the gall to tell people from these communities what's normal and what's not? Growing up where I did, go missing. I saw plenty of owls. In no time did I think that yeah. that was the Mothman or the uh, the Flatwoods monster. Yeah. I, I I just thought they were owls. Yeah. It's a bunch of people that probably, if they didn't have their cell phone, would have a psychotic episode trying to tell a bunch of people about wilderness survival. I I just, it's so, it's just so much hubris in that. Like, and if you just watch David Pilatus' two documentaries where he, where he interviews families involving in this, you see people, just, you see people in law enforcement just being like, no, this is not normal. This is not right. okay. These circumstances why people are going missing is not normal. We should probably talk to him about the park rangers. Which one? Uh, the thing where they pulled him aside that one night. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. One night when uh, David was kind of early on in his research, he gets pulled aside by two park rangers. And the park rangers knew him. He was involved with missing cases in the woods and things like that. And he was a detective. So it wasn't like they are just pulling a, pulling a random stranger out. They basically pull him aside and say, hey, there's something up here. We trust you. We know you're a researcher. Here's what we know, and there is something up here. The The park rangers didn't really know a whole lot besides just the strangeness of no one keeping track of these disappearances and how there would be a big like media front of people searching, but then it quickly dying off. And when people were found, then being found in just very strange areas. Right. You know what I... I, I get so I get I get I get so worked up on people not listening to people from local communities trying to exp, trying to say that there is something not going not not going on in there, and this is something that you too that you see like um like with national parks people they'll, they'll say something about the national parks, and it's just it's not common knowledge like like they want to like the whole like like large black cat phenomenon oh, is yeah. a thing. No, I've met park rangers you know. that soar to me up and down that they have seen large black panther-like cats right. in the deep woods of Indiana. Right. And that's coming from park rangers, and they were dead set that they had seen these. Right. And, and there will be people that will even talk about, like, 
you know, bears in certain national parks. They'll be like, well, there's not officially there, but people report that they see them from time to time. Hoosier National Forestry, they say that there are not boars in there. I've ridden my horse way back in there, and you will run into boars, and they will chase your horse. They are out there. They are not happy to be ran into. They're real deep in the woods, though. Because David and David Polinus runs into this all the time. He talks about that he tries to that he tries to to get information on the national park system to try to see if his stats like is this normal? Like is there is there a certain number of like how many people seem to go missing in the national park system? You can't get it, and he and he, and he can't seem to get that information. He, at one point, he did reach someone and started to uh, make some headway, and then they came back with like he would have to pay this huge amount of money. Did I, did I tell you that I reached out to the to the Hoosier National uh, Park System about what did you find? to see if they could do an interview about this about missing four hundred one? Yeah, well, tell me. Yeah, they messaged me back saying, uh, "Oh, you know, I'm not sure who you need to talk to. I'm not really sure about that phenomenon." Oh, and I, I'm just like BS. There's no way you don't know. First, I'm sure they've heard of it. I'm yes. sure that they they've been informed about this. There is no way that they don't know. And there's zero percent chance they're going to talk to us about. It. Like, yeah. I, if they were like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to come on and talk about this," I would be wary. Yeah. Well, I, I think too. To be fair, though, in the in the park's defense, I mean, I don't like defending the government, but I'm like, you know, I, I, I though I do ask myself, like, why would you want to keep track of these particular Number, like, why would you keep track of people going missing in the parks? We keep track of people who go disappearing off our coasts. Why not keep track of this? Because it's not the national government that goes looking for people in the parks. It's usually, it's always local people. And off the coast, it is usually the Coast Guard. So they but, have to but know But wouldn't it be looking. smart to still keep track where people right. are disappearing? Now, hang on. You just said, shouldn't it be for the, shouldn't it, shouldn't the government do this smart thing? Yes. That's your own fault. Right there. <laughs> So, I'm just saying. Like, not keeping track of people just disappearing on government property. First, if someone disappears on government property, I think the government should keep track of that. Well, I think that's why he has a hard time getting a hold of it is because the, the national government is not involved in it. And, and it's local. And or it's, are they? Uh, well, maybe. But I mean, but it's... Dun, 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 dun. I don't... I truthfully, I, I honestly... The feds are not involved in it. It's the, it's the national... It's the, it's the state local governments. And... He may or may not know who he may need to keep track of the record, if they even do. No, they don't, because when he tried to get it, they wanted right. this huge amount of money. I think it was, yeah. oh, God, like $30,000 for one park, and then oh, yeah. in the I millions for how many people disappear in the parks over, a, over like, in mm-hmm. the park system in a year. Mm-hmm. But it, they basically demand a huge amount of money. And technically, he shouldn't have to pay anything for well, it. I, I agree. Because he's a published author, and he can request his research from the government. Absolutely. Which they're supposed to be able to supply. The response was he does that doesn't count for him because his books aren't in enough public libraries. As he pointed out, that's that's not part of the thing. Right. That that has nothing to do they're, with they're, it. They're, they're just shutting him down. Yeah, they're clearly giving him a runaround because they don't want to give him this information. Why do you think they don't want to give him that information? I mean, we're, because we're about I think there's minutes. a bigger I think there's a bigger thing going on here. I think there's some aspect that the government is aware of that's causing these disappearances. They either do not know how to stop it or are not interested in stopping it, but they know they have to keep it secret. My, one of my one of my guesses would be maybe they put something in there to keep it far away from humanity. Right. I, I, I have a lot of different theories on Missing 411, and I do not think it has a singular answer. But I think that well, these I, are things that, that the government's tried to isolate us from, and this is just their way of keeping us as far apart as possible. Well, I, I, I compare this to the Bermuda Triangle phenomenon because just how much 
of a of just how big of an area this is that these things are encompassing that it's probably not one thing. That's why we could spend this entire month talking about this phenomenon because it is probably something that is more than one thing that's causing people to be to be disappearing. Do you know who I think does know the answer? Who? Teddy Roosevelt. You think that's why he just built the the national park? I system? think something occurred where he realized that he needed a place to cram this stuff aside. Bumped up, kind of creating this park system, slammed it in there. I think he knew what was going on, and this was his steps to probably protect the protect the public, or maybe something else. I, I'm not 100% certain on the motives. Maybe I'm projecting too much benevolence on the government. But my general working assumption, it was to keep the public safe from something. You don't think that maybe it was more of a byproduct of it, the no. national park system? Because if you think about the wilderness, I mean, that's... That's where people go to have a paranormal experience. That's where the vast majority of a lot of people's paranormal experiences tend to happen is out in the wilderness when they're oh, yeah. in some sort of connection to the supernatural. And even if you break down most like folk tales of encountering the supernatural, there are a few commonalities. Night, alone, wilderness. Apparently those three things will create a paranormal encounter. But you know what's weird though for that though? A lot of David Plessis all happen during the day. Oh yeah, but I'm talking about folk. Maybe right, maybe, right. maybe the bugaboos have gotten desperate and they're now hunting. Yeah, they're the just day. you know they're just coming out during the day to get people. But no, I think that maybe what's going on is people are just we've created these sections of wilderness, so that's literally just going to create these like hot spots of paranormal activity because that's where it happens. Perhaps, but what would be the reasoning behind it? Oh, why, that, why does the why does, why does the paranormal live in the woods? Yeah, typically they tend to happen more around like an individual person than a collective for, for whatever reason that is. I mean, if you look at folklore, there's stories of humanity itself driving folklore creatures into the wilderness. That or is the actually cave something I was heading towards, you know, too. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's the thought that, you know, the more order we bring to a city, the harder it is for the supernatural and the paranormal to interact with us. And that's why it's more often in the woods than out here in the, that out here in this, uh, there's been the argument that it's more connected to the to the natural realm, so that's how you connect to the spirit and the divine out in the woods. Or maybe it's just where they naturally flee to. Well, yeah, I mean that's. I mean, yeah, I mean. But all great answers. I actually loved all those answers. Yeah, yeah. Said. I mean, that, I mean that those all could be reasons about why. I think that, you know, whether or not if you. So that's why I I think that's why so many people end up having these paranormal experiences out in the national parks. It's just because people are running into some sort of aspect of the paranormal out there, so. I don't think it's going to end up being one thing. That's why we get to talk about this for the rest of the month, which is great because we have the best fans for picking this. So, but we wanted to make sure that you guys had a a good groundwork to understand the phenomenon, and that's particularly what I think that this episode is about. Do you know, for you guys understanding going in that it's something that's put off or uh, irritated by certain electrical fields, EMF fields, or something like that, driving it to the only places it could find to escape those but of course we're currently just working from the idea of it's like a creature a cryptid sign like that right it also could be maybe there's government bases hidden out there or something well no i mean it could also just be i i think something that people don't realize is how often criminal elements end up out in the woods you know like how many like drug manufacturers like operate out there human traffickers Serial killers, I mean... And those are two of the things that's brought up a lot is um, serial killers and um, drug traffickers. Yeah, I mean, two two famous serial killers that operate out of the national park system 
Um, Gary Hilton and Carrie and Carrie Stainer, both people that killed people in the national parks. Thank you, Ellie, for finding that. Yes, for she us. did. Yes, she did. Uh, uh, Gary Hilton, uh, he was responsible for killing people in the national parks in Georgia and North Carolina, I believe Florida as well, but don't hold me to that. And Carrie Steiner was uh, involved in the disappearances in uh, Yosemite National Park. Also, dude, you got to see the photo, man, of Gary Hilton, man. That dude just, if you got jump, if you got like accidentally like walk up to this guy, he screams serial killer just looking at him. Uh, Yeah, that guy, yeah. that guy is a scary looking like, guy. Have you seen the, the if you've seen their, his mugshot, it's you were like, like, if you walked up to him, that's on you. It's like the world's angriest grandpa yeah, is like, what he looks like. This guy just screams, I'm going to do something bad to you if you walk up to me. Like, I just, uh, so, just food for thought on that. One of the things I've been thinking about, and you guys know we like to bring things back to the work of John Keel, and Keel talks about these window zones where it seems like a lot of strange things just seem to be more likely to happen within certain areas. I've been thinking about that, and perhaps maybe these are kind of like permanent window zones. Like, maybe that just because, like, like just the wilderness is those permanent window zones? I like some like maybe specific wildernesses, maybe wilderness in general. I don't know. Yeah, but like, something I would I would throw it out for discussion. Well, no, I think people have, you know, there's cultures all across the world that just they say that these are particular areas that these happen. I mean, if you look at Bermuda Triangles, it's the same thing. If you look at um, particular like national parks, that's considered that way too. Mountains, particularly, are certain places where people often attribute, you know, like you know, like a, an element of the paranormal in some way, shape, or form. Tulpas. Tulpas. Like the thing is, we 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 project the worst things out there on these isolated parts—the deep woods, the deep swamps, high up in the mountains. These isolated areas where humans dare to tread. Right. We project the greatest evils we can imagine up into those areas. I don't think it's tulpas, to be honest. I don't think it's tulpas, but I want to throw out tulpas. What? What? What's going to be your favorite thing? Probably diving into four hundred one for this whole month. What's going to be all your of favorite? It. All, all of, of it. it. Like t- today. Is just kind of a general catch-up for you guys to learn the basics of the phenomena. The rest of the month, we're going to be going into some of the particulars. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if there's a specific area. I, I am very curious about the urban stuff because I haven't studied the urban stuff more. Mm-hmm. But the whole the whole month's going to be just flipping great. I'm super excited to 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 dive in because my biggest critique of David Plot is that we're gonna, and we're going to talk about this a, a little bit more in the in the pillow talk segment is we're going to talk about like. There are some just there are some just peculiar instances where people disappeared. You can argue whether or not if it's there's a mundane reason why they disappeared, and then there's just the just the weird, like just the weirdest stories involving stuff of missing four hundred one and those, and those are the particular those particular cases are going to be some of the most favorite my my favorite ones that we're going to dive into. But just to clarify something from earlier, I do not think there's a singular answer. No, I, I, I don't, think it, I don't like, think either. Personally, like the guy who or the old man who disappeared and they find the cane up in the tree. I think something flying grabbed him and flew off with him in his keeper. Like, I tried to grab the tree with his cane and it got stuck there. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. But other cases are not at all no, like that. I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can blame it on one thing. No, it's a huge space. Like it almost makes me wonder if that's where the cryptids have been driven to. And when we encounter cryptids, it's when they've kind of got out of where they're supposed to be. I know that's a weird, weird like, thought, but it's just one of the things that comes to mind. Like, I mean, you were talking earlier of, like, this mysterious thing. And, I mean, he brings this up, too. Of why do people just give up so, so like, why do you, like, Politis talks about this. He'll be like, oh, it seems like people just give up too quickly, like, investigating. There is a 
bunch of space out there. Like the, you know, the, the Brian laundry case where, you know, that, that guy uh, probably, probably killed his girlfriend and he disappeared into a national park. They're pretty sure he's there in some park. They just can't find him. And a, a park is a large, the, large area to yeah. explore. And it's difficult terrain, so it's slow moving. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not like it's an easy thing to find. But most humans don't go terribly far from the trail. Yeah, because you'll probably die, or I'm, get lost, or yeah, lost. Maybe maybe die if you get really yeah. lost, or or because most people probably don't have the skills to survive going off of the trail to live for very long without it. Yeah, and communication is very important. Like, whenever me and Marcus are investigating out in the wilderness, if I'm going off trail, I'm very specific with him. It's like, I'm going off here. I am going to go exactly this far. I'm going to look around. I'm going to immediately come back. I should not be gone more than X amount of seconds or minutes. Yeah, and then if I say that I'm going to go off into the wilderness. I stop they, you. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> he stops me, and then he like smacks whatever spirit has possessed my body. He goes, oh, I know Marcus ain't saying that. You know, but uh, it, it that sort of communication is important in a wilderness environment, mm-hmm. especially if you're not used to looking for certain landmarks that you can use to navigate. Because one of the first things I do when I go in the woods is I spot some landmarks I feel I can find my way back out with. Well, if you're not used to that sort of thing, it's pretty easy to get turned around. Well, I mean, in his second documentary, The Hunted, um, that came out in 2019, he goes over like a lot of like survival things that you should have in the woods. Yeah. I would also like to point out that the vast that I don't think I heard of any there was no story that he also mentioned in that documentary where a person carried that a lot of that equipment that they had. Well, Some of them, yes. One of one of the objects is a rare object that not a lot of people actually have. The GPS. Yeah, the GPS yeah. locator is kind of a rare thing to have. I actually do not personally have one. I've looked into yeah. buying one, but I don't personally have one. And then the other one is a gun. Some people feel great about carrying a gun. Some people just really don't want to carry a gun. Yeah. Um, All right. So any final thoughts before we get into the pill talk segment? I kind of already spilled my final thoughts. I guess my final thoughts are I'm looking forward to get into into the specifics of this Mm. case. I hope you guys enjoyed the generalities, though. Yeah. Um, My favorite part of this is, like, I I think if you're looking at the missing 411 phenomenon, I think that's something that that you really have to do is you have to look at and I'm going to be talking about this through the month. You know, there's going to be like, what particular these instances can we attribute maybe to a natural cause and, and what can we not? And then if you look at that not case of these other weird, strange phenomenons, I think you're really looking at the missing four one phenomenon as it really is. So oh, I hope you guys enjoy that. Let you guys, let us know what you guys think about uh, missing four one one. If there's a particular story of missing four one that you guys want us to, to look at, leave it in the comments below. What are your thoughts initially going into this on uh, missing four one one? What do you guys want to make sure we talk about going forward and missing four one one, you know, uh, leave all those thoughts in the comments below. If you guys are listening to this, leave us a review. Uh, if you're listening to us somewhere, if you can leave a review, it always helps. If you're listening to us on YouTube, make sure that you hit that like button and subscribe, but also hit that notification bell. Uh, that way you can step to date whenever we put up new awesome content. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of our podcast. If you want the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of these awesome podcasts as well as bonus videos that we post, uh, such as our new episode called the One Candle TV about the crawler, which is pretty cool. You might know it as also known as the rake or other things typically like that. It's a pretty interesting uh, video. 
Yeah, I think we had a pretty damn good yeah. talk on that one. Uh, for as little as two dollars more a month, you get to vote on our uh, poll to decide uh, the theme for every month. So, uh, actually, I think it's about the time that we were doing this episode. We got to come up with a new. We got to come up with the. We're gonna put the poll up. Uh, all right. So for this part of the podcast, we thought that we would give our thoughts on David Politis himself. So, um. I'll go ahead and start off. Like, you know, you guys were started on the beginning of it. I'm not, I'm a fan of the 411 phenomenon. I am not a huge fan of David Politis. Um, I am. I, I am appreciative that he brought this new phenomenon and this new genre of the paranormal into existence and 